Welcome to the What Is Truth podcast, everyone. My man Corey Hughes rejoins, and we will be shooting the shit, as they say. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you for having me, dude. Thank you for stopping by once more. You are a new fan favorite. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, man, um, I did mention that. Why well, I, I reached out to you, see if you had a little bit of a JFK experience and whatnot, or I'm sorry, MLK background on that. And, I, I did want to get a, or I wanted to get a MLK researcher on here, but he couldn't make it. It was a little bit of short notice. And I almost uh, missed the bus, if you will. I completely forgot on Monday that it was MLK Day. And uh, I did want to touch a little bit on that, but also wanted to cover an assortment of other subjects as well. And uh, just go down the rabbit holes. I named the stream Going Down the Rabbit Holes with a with Corey Hughes today. <laughs> so um, MLK is an interesting one. You know, it's part of the, the trilogy, the original trilogy, I call it. Um, JFK, MLK, and RFK. Um, Martin Luther King was killed before in the months before Robert Kennedy. But, of course, it was the same people who killed Kennedy killed both Martin Luther King and um, Robert Kennedy. It was really, you can think of post-Kennedy, you can really think of all of these various assassinations and false flag operations. And this are, these are one continuous event, really. They're one plot. And we're just, just because we're seeing, we're seeing these as individual events, they're not. They're all part of a larger scale operation, really. Um, completely traceable all the way back to, you know, late 1800s. So, you know, it's when people say like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist and you think there's all these conspiracies. No, there's one conspiracy, one. Yeah. And uh, everything else we see is just an offshoot of, of this one conspiracy. Well, and that's just it. They're, they're all intertwined. And, you know, I remember when I first started getting into conspiracies, I would hear that a lot. Oh man. Uh, I, I would question it myself. Not everything can be a conspiracy, man. Surely, man. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going too far down. And now that I've gotten older and the more I've dug into history and other shit, other great declassified examples, dude, pretty much everything is a goddamn conspiracy. <laughs> and it's not an exaggeration, mm -hmm. man. When you're green to it, I can understand how that's just a hard pill to swallow, man. But Dude, at some level, everything's connected. Look at the one, I guess one good example would be the whole Epstein deal. Uh, when you look at all these world leaders that were fucking with a man, Bill Gates, uh, Prince Andrew, Trump, Clinton, uh, all these high level celebrities, um, scientists, whatever. You're going to, and they all, you know, when they all get questioned about their relationship with him, oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Motherfucker, he, his island was called Pedo Island. And you're going to sit there and tell me that you just didn't know that this guy was a fucking pedophile? 
And when you see, you know, it's it's not. I mean, what are the fucking odds of you running into this fucking pedophile not knowing? Get the fuck out of here. And it's all intertwined, man, at some level, you know? So so let's let's connect the, some dots here. Um we're going to connect like some of the some of the most fundamental dots ever. Um starting with the Kennedy assassination, right? So um really when you look at the local culprits of the Kennedy assassination like on the higher levels um what you're talking about is morris jaffe and sam bloom and uh those were two of the owners of the daltex the two primary owners of the daltex building so sam bloom uh had meetings with jay walton moore and with four sorrels um the heads of the local offices of fbi uh you know cia through jay walton moore and um, basically, all of the players on the ground uh, were connected through Sam Bloom. And I have the documents showing the individual meetings that Sam Bloom had with the heads of these various ABC agencies. Okay. So Sam Bloom was, uh, for much of his life, partnered business wise with a guy named Edgar Bronfman. And Edgar Bronfman had a brother named Charles Bronfman. Charles Bronfman um, was the primary funder of Jeffrey Epstein. All right. So from that, you have obvious connections to the Mossad, right? So Sam Bloom was working with the CIA and the Mossad. And now you have uh, just one or two people removed from that, Charles Bronfman, uh, funding Jeffrey Epstein in the modern era, right? So you only have two or three people removed from the Epstein uh, saga to the Kennedy assassination, right? And when you really dig into everything that's happened, every all these horrific events that have happened, you will find that you're no more than two or three people away from the Kennedy assassination because these connections are familial, right? Uh, like um, one example is Senator Yarborough, who was uh, supposed to be in the car with Kennedy, who was moved to LBJ's car. Um, his son ended up being on the board of Riggs Bank with Jack Valente. Um, and so Riggs Bank was the bank that, prior to 9-11, um, allowed the transfer of funds from the Saudi royals to the 9-11 hijackers. Mm. All right? Mm. So... Do you see how everything connects? And you're never more than two or three people away from this central core group of, of, uh, of you know, a conspiracy theorist would say plotters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, God but damn. this is not conspiracy. <laughs> this is how the fucking world works. Yeah, right? yeah. Unfortunately. It's, it's, it's very um, difficult for me to hold a rational and intelligent conversation um, with anyone on these subjects because the propaganda has been so thick so deep you know over the last hundred years that the view of the world that people have is just plain false right and so when i try to explain to people no uh history didn't really happen that way it happened this way they look at me like my fucking hair is on fire right it's almost to the point of wanting to just like give up you know yeah well that's just it so before we go any further, um, let's give you know. Let's let people know where they can find you. Uh, I listened to your 
You've got a podcast, Understanding Propaganda, correct? And correct. I I did listen. You had a great show, man. Maybe we could touch on that in, in a minute here. But you're also, you know, you fall under the Forbidden Knowledge Network, right, with Chris? That's correct. Um, we're currently planning another. We do an annual event, uh, Forbidden Knowledge NewsCon. Um, it's a three-day event. We have uh, three speakers per day and then a, a panel discussion. And uh, this year it's going to be happening March 11th, 12th, and 13th. And it is available to all uh, Rockfin premium subscribers. Uh, so you don't have to buy any special package uh, just to get the NewsCon. Uh, anybody who subscribes to Rockfin on the premium side for 10 bucks a month, they get access to it. Um, are you on Rockfin? Uh, I. I'm thinking about going over there. I'm I'm not on there yet, but yeah, Rockfin Rockfin is great. And um, what they do is their premium side. When you pay ten bucks a month for premium, you get access to everyone's premium. Right. So you get like tinfoil hat. You get Jimmy Dore's premium. You get everyone's premium for ten bucks a month. A, so, a lot of the big names that have been canceled off of YouTube are over there. So yeah, if you had some favorite channels that that were canceled, chances are they are at Rockfin or even over here on Odyssey. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a great platform, and they are for freedom of speech. So that's but, definitely um, a plus. Forbidden Knowledge Network. We have about, I think, seven or eight shows now. I just yeah. launched another. I launched another show uh, talking about crypto. Um, I've been involved with crypto since 2015. I actually worked for Safedin Amus uh, for about two and a half years. He actually lit He's the guy who wrote the book on Bitcoin. And uh, so yeah, my experience in crypto is pretty extensive. And so I just launched a new crypto show. Um, so yeah, I keep pretty busy. Yeah, man. And you also have the day zero podcast with Charlie Robinson on Sundays, a podcast, which, you know, I, I want to thank you for inviting me on. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to that, you guys are listening to this, check it out. Day zero. It was last week and I jumped in. We were talking about, uh, what was it? Nutsacks and butt stuff and all <laughs> kinds of shit. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a it was a great time, man, and I I truly enjoyed, uh, you know, having a blast with you guys. But uh, yeah, you got several shows out there. Um, do not look for him on YouTube. You will not find him on YouTube, right? <laughs> for the most part, correct. Correct. Yeah. So, I I did catch your latest prop uh, understanding propaganda uh, show that you did the other day, and it was fucking amazing. You pretty much showed how the narrative is formulated and twisted to the way they want it. And you showed an article from CNN where when Trump was in office, they were saying no. And, and the accurate was very, or the article was very accurate saying that we can't rush the vaccines. We don't know about the side effects that could happen. What about the injuries? If people start getting injured by the vaccines, they're going to start doubting vaccines. A lot of, real actual sane shit and then you showed you know within what weeks uh, of that article they completely switched the narrative once they found out that biden was going to be in position and mm -hmm. oh no no we can definitely trust the vaccines go ahead and, and line up for this shit and you they know? tried to separate they tried to separate their criticism of trump from criticism of the vaccine which was not what it was at first yeah. right so it's very important to follow the the shifting narratives and the reason that we that, that i end up getting to and that is that the reason narratives shift 
is because of usually a failure of, of their initial propaganda. The propaganda didn't work, right? And so they have to shift their position and then they have to do like reverse fucking osmosis on their goddamn, uh, what they pre- on their previous statements. And uh, yeah, <laughs> then they just end up looking like a bunch of idiots. And the thing is, with um, this, with Fauci and his propaganda and the stuff that's been coming out from the CDC, like they're getting debunked in real time, and that is causing them to have to change their narrative like so fast that people are just like, "You motherfuckers are clueless." And so, yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, if you really want to understand like the conspiracy that's happening, and you want proof the conspiracy is happening, you'll find it in the propaganda. The propaganda is where it all starts, and that's why I felt the need to do that show, right? Uh, I launched Understanding Propaganda because I I, I see people talking about the propaganda, but never calling it out or putting it in its proper proper perspective. Um, But yeah, the propaganda is, is everything that we hear, see, everything that we know about what's going on is a battle of propaganda versus truth, but it's hard to know what's true out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That that's what becomes a task because it's so thick, and you know when it sounds good, that's that's when it's hard to decipher it. Uh and I know we brushed over on the, and it was a great show. So again, that's understanding propaganda with Corey Hughes, and listen to that on your favorite podcast player. But uh, I did want to touch a little bit on MLK. I know you said you weren't too well versed, but just to have a casual conversation on it, uh, my buddy, uh, brother Eric Summers, who he usually does most of his work is on Malcolm X, and he, you know, just kind of like the way you follow the JFK's, uh, you know, assassination, his inside and outs on the Malcolm X deal is pretty deep, and uh, you know, he's one of the few african-americans out there that is calling out uh louis farrakhan uh you know while he's praised and paraded around the media as some kind of uh voice for you know the black community uh brother eric's like no this motherfucker was involved in the assassination of malcolm x uh there was a lot of these characters you, you know from from that time period, whether it's Al Sharpton, Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson, all these clowns were CIA puppets, man. And uh, I wanted and him. The, and the CIA is a puppet to, yeah. to them, you know? So yeah. um, all roads lead to one place. And uh, I can stand here firmly state that every one of these assassinations all connect to Israel in one way, shape, or form. And typically the CIA is the uh, conduit to America, um, which everything filters from, you know, Mossad relationship with the CIA and then the CIA's relationship with the FBI. And it trickles down to um, the, the, you know, I, I, I saw a recent documentary on Malcolm X uh, and they, they basically put the, uh, the blame on like another, faction of the nation of islam right uh but uh that i have no doubts that if you keep digging you will find beyond that the connections to the same people who killed kennedy and everyone else yeah i'm trying to recall the there's a there there is a gentleman that uh he what the hell is his name 
he he was a white guy that was in the Nation of Islam in the sixties, and they everyone knew he was a you know he was in the CIA, and I think he, <laughs> he might have been Mossad as well. So like you're saying, dude, they're all connected at some at some level, and uh, but he he had a podcast. He did a podcast, a quick one on on the whole MLK deal, and the MLK one is is one that m many people don't realize was a government hit. And uh, even someone like Judge Joe Brown has covered it in depth and, you know, using forensics and evidence, proving that, uh, Ur uh, what was it, James Earl Ray uh, did not shoot the, the death slugs. Uh, you know, if, according to Joe, Judge Joe Brown, uh, I, apparently he was going to be one of the judges in, in, to reopen the case for James Earl Ray. And when he was reviewing the, the documents and the whole forensics on the deal, it, it was clear as day that he he was not the lone gunman that day. And, you know, and it's based on physical evidence for anyone wondering, uh, you know, the the death slug and the, you know, the the marks that. A bullet produces when shot through god damn my kids brought me two beers i just need one <laughs> here you go thank you buddy all right thank you um yeah they're trying to get me drunk man i, I, I want to get buzzing with my man Corey hughes but i don't want to be passing out <laughs> um but yeah the the just using the forensics alone you notice that the the rate of fire is doesn't match up with the you know the gun that was allegedly found there and also the death wounds uh you know according to the autopsy he was shot from two different directions so you know when you hear someone like judge o'brown a mainstream figure if you will uh break it down using verifiable evidence uh it's it's damning shit and then you have the 1999 uh civil case where the government was found guilty of course the government then did their own investigation and found themselves not guilty <laughs> later on but the fact you know the very fact that very few people even realize about the 1999 case it's all bullshit and even mlk day wasn't celebrated until the 80s you know what i'm saying so so my um I haven't had a chance to dig too deeply into the uh, MLK files. There's really not that many of them. When you look at Kennedy and there's like five plus million pages of documents, and then you look at MLK, which maybe has five or 6,000, you know, it's not, a, it's not a big body of uh, work to go through. Right. Um, so the, the let me I'll tell you what I do know and how I know it from uh, is mostly from my uh, Kennedy research because there's overlap and you come across the overlap in the Garrison files you come across overlap in the FBI files and so when I started to kind of hone in on the fact that um, the short tramp in Dealey Plaza was. Vincent Caltagirone Jr., who was I, who I whose identity I stumbled across in researching the Winterland, right? Uh, I think we we talked about that last time. Uh, when I I really kind of uh, started to look into some of the MLK stuff related to uh, Raoul, uh, because I had some other indicators that Vincent was Raoul, 
based on statements he alleged that Raul had allegedly made involving Jack Valente, which is a very strange character, very esoteric character for someone like Raul to be talking about. He made a statement to a woman named Glenda Grabo that uh, he wanted to make a million dollars with Jack Valente, right? Who would say something like that? Obviously somebody who knows Jack Valente. Um, and so I eventually made the connection that Vincent Caldegaron Jr., who was uh, Jack Valenti's brother-in-law up until 1961, uh, was the short tramp and was also the real Raul. And then I found, after I kind of come to that conclusion, I found documents indicating that James Earl Ray had identified the short tramp as Raul. So my conclusions were kind of backed up by statements made by James Earl Ray. Um, then when you dig into other statements about Raul, they, you know, some people said he, he looked like a Cuban, but he wasn't a Cuban and, uh, he could barely speak Spanish. And, you know, there were just weird statements about him because Raul was allegedly, uh, from South America or whatever the propaganda was that was circulating at the time. Um, well, didn't, but, did one of the damning things against, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but one of the yeah. damning things against, uh, James Earl Ray is that, uh, Raul, in one description was a white guy in one description he was brown and right. and he gave a few different descriptions which doesn't look good you know in you know if you're defending him but at the same time uh it could easily be due to you know the the length of time you know in between that and and right you know. right well here's the thing well Vincent Caldegaron was a um kind of an more of a olive toned skin sicilian italian you know uh, uh like there's some other statements that were made about rule by a guy named jerry hemming um that he he said that you know he could pass for cuban but he wasn't right and so there was there was a lot of little breadcrumbs around that was like that all once i identified vincent caldegaron jr as raul all of the independent statements about him just clicked they all made sense at the same time it was like whoa that fits. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the statements about Jack Valenti and uh, the fact that he was his brother-in-law, right? Who else is going to name Jack Valenti in nineteen in the 1960s, right? Who, who When Jack Valenti was a nobody, <laughs> you know? So, like, who's going to make that statement? Just somebody who knows him. And so all the pieces kind of connected there. And then I came across, and here's another thing. When you're in the mob, and these were, the, the hits themselves were not coordinated by CIA, they were coordinated by the mob. And so the guys who were involved in Kennedy and the guys involved in Martin Luther King, they all just happened to double as CIA agents, right? Because if you do work for the CIA, you're a CIA agent. And so a lot of these guys, there was a ton of overlap between the mafia and the CIA. And Kennedy, 100% of the shooters were mafia associates and employees of the CIA or contract agents of the CIA. So, and it was no different in Martin Luther King. But um, these guys always use the same people uh, as their backup, right? They you always have a backup. On it. When you have a shooter, you have a spotter who you can trust, right? And so, like, uh, Dave Yaris always used Lenny Patrick as his spotter, as his backup, right? Or they would, they would interchange when they did hits. Uh, and, they, and they maintain that relationship their entire mob careers. And so I don't have any reason to suspect it would be any different for any kind of assassin at that level, like Jack Valente in particular. And so 
I established that Vincent Carlton Garone was a short trip, which means he was up on the knoll somewhere at some point. Um, and I have the definite connection to Jack Valente. And when you look through the newspaper clippings from that day or the day after that Martin Luther King was shot, you'll find that right outside the boarding house, minutes after the assassination, a short, balding white man was arrested coming out of the boarding house. All right. And he was shuffled off to a federal building. I don't know how the news knew this, but this is what was reported. This short, balding white man was shuttled off to a federal building. And then that's the last you ever hear of this story. There's not another mention of it ever. And I can't find any reference to it in any uh, researcher's work, whether on Kennedy or on Martin Luther King. So I guarantee that that short, balding white man was either Vincent Caltigaron Jr. or Jack Valente, because Jack Valente was traveling at the time of the Martin Luther King assassination. He was not in D.C., but I can't find the records of where he was traveling to, right? Mm. Um, then uh, virtually immediately, like the next day, Jack Valente came out with a statement on how great Martin Luther King was. You know, it's just uh, too convenient for me. And having established that Jack Valente was a hitman, um, you know, it, it just kind of fits the pattern. Now, do I have enough to substantiate it? No. But does my understanding of the era and the players involved tell me that Jack Valenti was the shooter of Martin Luther King? Yeah. But like I said, I haven't gotten there yet to, to be able to substantiate that in any greater fashion than I just explained. Right. Yeah. When you go down into the MLK, uh, you know, the details, the nitty gritty, you find some uncomfortable truths. It's kind of like how you opened up a lot of eyes regarding you know, the whole Holocaust thing. But you know, there are uncomfortable truths that come out that, you know, MLK, for a while now, the, the character, the facade has been painted that he was a saintly figure that was assassinated um, due to his stance on civil rights and wanting equality, blah, blah, blah. That sounds nice. It sounds like a, a sad fairy tale. But the truth of the matter is, you know, it's likely that Martin Luther King was getting some fame and he was waxing a lot of ass on the road. Uh, and that was used against him. The FBI was using his infidelity, uh, his infidelities, you know, him sleeping around uh, with mm -hmm. groupies and whatnot. They were using that against him and they even sent him a couple of letters, which these were all part of the, the one of the JFK dumps, right? This is when we found this out, if I'm not mistaken. But the FBI, uh, Hoover, uh, the director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, is believed to have sent these letters because he freaking hated MLK. He said that one he he was viewed as one of the one of the black messiahs, and so he was viewed as a threat because of his popularity amongst the masses. He was able to. Uh, to gather large coalitions of people to get shit done. But uh, Hoover or the FBI is sent him letters saying that uh, basically death threats. I can't remember word for word what the letter said, but something along the lines like, you know, we, we got the shit on you. You better do what you need to do before we take you out. You know, basically saying if you don't kill yourself, we're going to fucking take you out. And... Most people, 
in that situation where the FBI is blackmailing you, uh, here's where the heroic status. So, yeah, that may have dampered some people listening to this for the first time that may have had a saintly picture of Martin Luther King. Uh, I can understand that. But here's where he, irregardless of his private life or sexual life or, or sexual indiscretions, irregardless of that, many people would have cowered at getting letters from the FBI and he kept trucking. And it, it is my belief, it is my uh, my theory that he wasn't assassinated you know, for civil rights per se, but rather because he started being vocal against the war in Vietnam. And I think that's essentially what did him in. He was getting too loud and he was he was building a huge opposition against the, the whole war uh, out there. He was saying, why are we over there killing brown folks when we black folks are, are being viewed, you know, just like them, essentially. And so that's where, you know, if you want to demonize a man for his indiscretions or whatever, everyone can make their own opinion. I view him with more greater respect because, again, he was being threatened to shut the fuck up or he was going to get exposed. And he kept talking and talking until he was finally taken out so in that regard i view him as i still view him as a as a hero and i don't lose any respect for his indiscretions that's just my opinion though well let me um let me throw some information out there that most that nobody ever takes into consideration when they consider martin luther king and let me clarify a couple things like uh with james earl ray um he was another low-level both mob and cia guy uh, he was a puppet in this, just like Oswald was, right? Oswald was more of a construct. Uh, with James Earl Ray, it wasn't difficult to get him to go and do the things they wanted him to do. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to um, Martin Luther King, right, no one ever really talks about the people who were backing him um, or the people who handled his the, the mechanism of his organization or his movement as a whole. And so... Um, his number one guy and his, and the guy who wrote, uh, most of his speeches, uh, was a Jewish guy, uh, named Stanley David Levison. Levison. Um, let me read to you a little bit about, uh, Mr. Levison. And you tell me if you can sense where I'm going to go with this. Uh, in 1956, Stanley Levison, a Jewish attorney from New York, began raising funds to support the Montgomery bus boycott and became acquainted with Martin Luther King Jr. The two men developed a close relationship in which Levison not only advised King, but also aided him with the day-to-day -day administrative demands of the movement. In 1963, the FBI used King's relationship with Levison, who they believed to be a communist functionary, to justify surveillance of King. Um, he was born in May of 1912. I'm going to skip over some of this, um, but I'm going to highlight in his biography that he was a treasurer of the Manhattan branch of the American Jewish Congress. Okay, let's stop right there. The American Jewish Congress is a full-fledged Zionist organization. And I think we've talked pretty at, at, in, in length about what the Zionists have done to this country and to the world. Uh, yeah, so we well, we've we've spoken it enough that uh, there's this fucking clown on YouTube. Um, it's a fucking creepy old fuck cancel culture motherfucker that got me canceled. Uh, dress and drag, 
and this motherfucker a few days ago called me an anti-semite because i associate with you now <laughs> and i started laughing like apparently i'm a mexican american that sounds like a black dude from the bronx and i'm a neo-nazi now that's the first time i heard of that kind of shit but <laughs> that's hilarious yeah man uh um, so yeah let, let, let us neo-nazis uh keep on going you know what i'm saying yes did you, uh, did you um yeah so the point i'm making here is that king was backed by zionist forces and zionist money and well, so and, and that doesn't surprise me man because going back to the whole zionist shit you don't have to be jewish to be a zionist you don't have to be uh anti-semitic to be anti-zionist um i remember seeing and just a quick little point man i i hate I just cut you off again, so I apologize for that. But I remember you can sometimes see these commercials on late night television where you'll see Christian people, man. I don't know what fucking sex they are, you know, uh, but they're like, donate to this fund and all of our money for this uh, fucking charity or whatever the fuck uh we'll send a jew back to the promised land uh just to meet the the word of revelations and all this bullshit so it's these christians that also facilitate this zionist movement and Correct. that's that's something that gets very little talked about and it's a very it's a very complicated relationship um uh, it, it can be a lot to, to wrap your head around um, because you have you have different factions to create relationships with other factions within other groups, you know. But when you go back and you study like uh, the American Zionist Council in particular and their activities in the 1950s uh, in, in in outright infiltration of uh, groups in America, not only like student groups on campuses, but of uh, Catholic groups. Um, I mean, those were infiltrated by, because I have a 1960 report from the American Zionist Council that outlines all their current activities uh, in the previous year. And it was like, unfucking believable Like, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. um, you will not find a, a large known organization in this country that has not been infiltrated by the Zionists. Period. And that's where all this woke culture comes from. It's an artificial... Uh, it, it, it's basically... And this is where I believe it started with the civil rights movement, because the civil rights movement didn't really do what it was supposed to do. Um, and it, it, I think it ended up increasing racial divides over the years uh, because of its application. And um, when you look at like what's going on with woke culture, it's like this is just another step in the intentional destruction of the country, which is I, obvious post uh, post Kennedy. Yeah, I think I, when I had Charlie on the show you know i i told him i i'm a huge history nerd when it comes to that kind of shit uh, i just love studying past civilizations watching how they rose and how they fell and one pattern that i've noticed throughout the civilizations that i've researched and whatnot is that a lot of these civilizations start very right-wing conservative military you know, very militaristic, uh, with a heavy belief in whatever religion, if they're the Aztecs, the serpent god, if they're the Egyptians, you know, one of the many gods there. It doesn't matter. With a huge emphasis on religion and a uh, emphasis on military might, and that's how they start. 
during their renaissance or whatever, it, it's kind of you you have a you know as they continue to grow, they, they it kind of balances out. You know, it's like a, a centrist type of civilization. Once a lot of these civilizations start to fall, man, it's when they become pussified and they go, they swing way the fuck to the left. And unfortunately, this is what we're seeing today, man. Everything's so pussified, man. I don't know. I don't know if you watched Dr. Phil, uh, but recently Dr. Phil had these fucking, I guess they're fucking women with fucking beards. I don't know what where their transitioning was. I don't know if they were dudes turning into chicks or chicks turning into I couldn't fucking tell, man. But they had this one guy who made complete fucking sense and destroyed their whole gender fucking joke of of ideas. And he was roasting them, you know, in front of a large audience, you know, Dr. Phil's. And it's just mind-boggling how fucking stupid we have gotten where this is even a fucking question these days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something so fucking basic that we have to debate it. It's a fucking joke. Um yes, yes. Sorry, um, man. I I told you we'd be uh, going on a bunch yes, of different totally little fine. rabbit did holes. You, um, did you have a chance to um flip through that book that I I messaged you? I flipped a little bit through it, but I did not get through the entire yeah, it was just. An, I thought it was another fascinating example of how history has been uh, just outright um, changed. Yeah. Uh, and the book we're talking about for the audience is a book by Veronica Kuzniar Clark, uh, and it's called "Black Nazis: uh, Ethnic Minorities and Foreigners in Hitler's Armed Forces: An Unbiased History." And uh, it, it's it's a fascinating read, and it's just page after page after page of examples of. Not only Jews, but all every possible ethnic minority you can imagine who were fighting uh, in the German army. Uh, so yeah, it's just another example of how something that we not, would never get taught, man. Uh, you know, never, never, oh, ever. It would destroy their narrative. Uh, mm -hmm. And I guess all this shit, in a way, ties into with this whole COVID shit. You know, uh, if if it's not for alternative outlets, you know, it's it's not folks like you or I. Um, getting it out there if if the censorship uh the hand of censorship was a lot stronger than what it is right now which is pretty fucking strong right now um a few decades from now our kids looking back at the time of covid what are they going to talk about oh yeah you know covid uh came from bats and uh many it was a de devastating disease that killed a lot of people and, 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 you know, whatever the official narrative that they want to be out, that's what they're going to hear. And just rewriting history, man. Just fucking George Orwell, 1984 all fucking day. Right. And like when we were talking earlier about uh, the shifting narrative, right? Um, never before in history, even like 10 years ago, it was much harder to get information than it is today. Right. So. Never before has there been a plot like uh, of this scale that happened in the digital age, right? So these motherfuckers are just getting debunked like in real time, and the amount of people who aren't buying their shit is just at an all-time high. Uh, look at the ratings that came out, right? Joe Rogan's the biggest show in the world by like a factor of ten. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
it's crazy, right? But they, it's they are they can now they can no longer deny that they don't have influence, right? The media just is losing influence. Mm. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I did get scared with the Joe Rogan because I've been listening to Joe Rogan since like episode fucking six hundred or seven hundred, and now they're you know creeping up on two thousand. I'm one of those religious. Uh, followers man i love his shit man and he talks to far lefties far righties everyone man uh fucking scientists comics athletes whatever the fuck it is yeah but until recently like until recently uh he's kind of coming into his own within the past i'd say like six months to a year um because there were a lot of times he had people on like like mike baker like that cia yeah, guy yeah, that motherfucking yeah. guy that guy so <laughs> he believes the jfk official story if you believe the jfk official story you are a fucking idiot i don't give a fuck about your credentials man yeah exactly you know and joe doesn't push back too hard but i've noticed he's dropped a couple people from his show like michael Shermer. yeah um, michael Shermer is a straight up cia guy fuck um, yeah. runs a skeptic society i mean dude when he had dr hotep man i don't that... remember that one i don't remember that one oh. at all they, did he now, not push back on him or, or what? Well, the, you know, to his, I guess in his defense, it was right around when the whole COVID shit was just starting to pick up. I think around March of 2020. So not much was known. Um, and so everyone, you know, it's when everyone was fucking scared. Even like people like myself, I was fucking freaked out. You know what I'm saying? At the very beginning. And so... It was around that time, but he didn't push back. Um, that's correct. But he hasn't invited him since, you know, and and he's invited uh, Dr. Weinstein back, um, all these other characters. I did get scared this week, though, man. The two weeks after the the Dr. Malone uh, podcast, he he had one podcast with a fucking restaurant owner. One of the most boringest fucking Joe Rogan podcasts ever. And then the very next day, he talked to some physical therapist. I'm like, what the? How the fuck do you go from Robert Malone to this boring ass shit? And I was starting to get worried that maybe someone at Spotify talked to him and, and said, hey, man, you you know, this is, you're playing with fire a little too much. But then uh, the other day he had uh, fucking who did he have? Dr. Dr. Epstein. Robert Epstein, I believe, who has been, uh, he's been basically talking shit about Google, man, saying Google is all fucking government run shit. If you're using Google, fucking stop it right now. He's basically warning people to get rid of their shit. And if you can go back to a flip phone, basic, you know, because the surveillance state is here. It's not coming. The surveillance state is already here. And so for him to have someone like, uh, like Dr. Robert Epstein uh, did ease that that concern that I had. Oh shit, maybe maybe someone scared him. <laughs> yeah, um, you know the, the whole. Here's the thing: like we live, we live in an era where, like, when I leave the house, I, I don't take my phone with me ever. Um, just I don't have a need. I'm not going to sit at a restaurant and look at my phone. Like I just hate when when you have two people sitting at a table and they're both looking at their phone. It's just disgusting. And the problem with the surveillance is it's kind of hard to have even have a conversation in public because yeah. if your phone isn't listening, somebody else's phone is 10 feet away is, you know. Well, um, that's what I, Dr. Epstein was saying, dude, that Android is notorious for that shit. They're uh, listening. Here's, 
and plus they have the you know the, the the CIA or NSA has that data center in Utah that you know captures everything. Yeah. But here's the problem: like they're trying to capture everything. You can't. It's like catching the rain in a fucking teacup. Um, even all the data that they have, which is probably stored in hashes, um, prob they, they they probably have no fucking idea how to sift through it. You know, um, you, they have probably some artificial intelligence that you, can pick up you, words yeah, you, or whatever. But they they they're not nearly as advanced as I think we think they are. I I kind of. I personally go back and forth with that shit too. Sometimes I don't, I, I agree with you. And then other times I'm like, sometimes these motherfuckers have shit that is, by the time we see it, these motherfuckers discovered it 10, 15 years ahead of, ahead of us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ahead of us, letting us know about this shit. Uh, I guess one example would be the whole 9-11, you know, uh, controlled demolition, you know, uh, with the whole thermite deal that those whole things could have been done with shit that we still don't even know how engineered because even uh, if you know a lot of these architects and engineers they still don't have a we all know that there's fuckery going on but well, no one really has an explanation as to how it they came down well i don't buy into the fucking the the moonbeams and the fucking energy weapons yeah yeah uh, from space fuck no just, it, it, the I thermite I, I think the thermite you know uh makes sense and maybe there's a way where you could paint walls so maybe weeks before they were painting remodeling shit and boom there you go you know uh, yeah but i don't even think any of that stuff matters like um like, you just have to follow the money like james corbett says james corbett never talks about the buildings falling you just follow the money and you see the fuckery going on well to me there's a couple things that are just obvious of course the buildings were taken down with explosives duh who could have done that only a government, right? Because you don't have low-level schlep fucking terrorists blowing up buildings by planting bombs in them. Even though that's what happened at fucking Oklahoma City. But once again, you're dealing with CIA factions. Yeah. So, um, so people spend so much time on did they fucking use thermite or what the fuck? And like, who cares what they blew the buildings up with? They blew them up. It's obvious. Um, people will argue about the temperatures after the buildings fell um and that you can't reach those temperatures without thermite thermite could have been used thermite's used for all kinds of stuff um it's not uh as big of a deal as people make it out to be yeah 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 i don't folk uh put too much focus on that because 9 11 is one again one of these big ass giant conspiracies where you with many many fucking tentacles and you can go down the various rabbit holes. Uh, you're from Sarasota, right? And yeah. you may soon be my neighbor, and we'll shoot the shit more on that. But fucking, you know, the, the terrorists out here were, you know, I don't know. Ha have you ever seen the documentary by uh, Daniel Hopsucker? Uh, yeah, Venice and the Flying Circus? Yeah, I know. All, I know everything about 9-11. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, the funny Daniel Hopsker made that great, great fucking uh, doc. And he lives in Venice. And um, he d does all that shit, but he still swallows the official narrative. Right, uh, go go airport, fucking figure, man. <laughs> that airport's been a CIA airport since 1945 at the earliest. I mean, at, yeah. the, at the latest. Because I have documents showing that Clay Shaw rented that fucking airport in 1945. And he what? did not... 
and he at the time he was uh, re- uh officially according to the official story was working for the cia so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the CIA the, didn't start till forty-seven. The CIA didn't start till forty-seven. Dude, nine eleven um, in but, Sarasota is fucking massive, and very few people yeah. know how deep the connections are between nine eleven. Uh, what I've told people that you know follow my show, I go, the uh, Muhammad Atta, the alleged ringleader, lived out here in Venice. Uh, I've driven by his fucking house many fucking times. It's still fucking pink as it was. Yeah, back one of my then. buddies. One of my buddies uh, like went to school with his girl at some point. Dude, one one of uh, one of my buddies, fucking Mexican dude that worked at a at a Mexican restaurant, told me he fucking did uh, drunk beer and did lines of cocaine with Muhammad Atta. <laughs> 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 and he was like he was like yeah man he goes he, he goes yeah he was you know in spanish obviously you know he was a little mexican dude he's like yeah man i used to party with that dude and uh man he always looked serious he never you could never make him laugh or whatever and he goes dude when i saw him on tv you know like you know his face was blasted he's like dude i just shit my fucking pants i'm like dude i was partying with this motherfucker but uh yeah, it's 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 wild shit, and and the way the media portrayed these guys was that they were uh, devout Muslims, and you know, on a on a sacred fucking miss, uh, mission to jihad. Meanwhile, they were banging out hoes, uh, white hoes and bitches, doing lines of cocaine, going to strip clubs. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Right. A far cry from the religious extremists that that we are told they were. Yeah, it's like so ridiculous, and I've just and I, it's been part of my you know understanding of the world for so long that when I talk to people about like Al Qaeda and uh, and and terrorism, I feel like we're talking about fucking Santa Claus because you can trace the origins of Islamic terrorism in the world period to 1979, the origins of Al Qaeda. Um, Jimmy Carter sent uh, the big new Brzezinski to fucking Israel to meet with his Mossad counterparts over there. And together they formed Al-Qaeda, which was never called Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda just meant database. And so the base, short for the database, right? So uh, that was what the CIA referred to uh, as their list of Mujahideen fighters who they recruited to fight against the goddamn Soviets, you know? And they just uh, repurposed them. And especially in 1979, after we get kicked the fuck out of Iran, right? We kicked out of Iran. That was the birth of, that was when Islamic uh, became terrorists. Um, after they kicked us out of fucking Iran and they knew that they could be the next scapegoat. And so it was a joint operation between the US government under Carter um, and the Israelis to create Al Qaeda. This isn't even like conspiracy theory. This is in the history books. You can go read this in like fucking Encyclopedia Britan- yeah. Britannica. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, but so we worked with, uh, Al Qaeda in 1979 to defeat the Russians, the right? Russians, so we created yep. them and we created them, worked with them, and, and then, then they went rogue on us for whatever and then reason. They went rogue, right? They went rogue <laughs> and did 9/11 without any support from us, yeah. and then we're back to working with them in Syria again, yeah, where yeah. they create you know the Muslim Brotherhood and these other organizations, the Free Syrian Army. Have you done much research into the White Helmets? Yeah, it's a fucking CIA. Yeah, front group. man. It was, created by, it was actually created by MI6. Um, which is the British fucking CIA, um, where they allegedly have like 007s and people like that. But yeah, it's a fucking, it's all theater. And this is like when the light bulb really went on for me when I was studying Kennedy. And I realized that, holy shit, Kennedy is all theater also. 
everything that happened was a staged scripted event. Uh, you know, uh, everything from the Texas school book depository and him working there to, um, the tippet shooting all, all planned in advance and, and as part of one elaborate, like theatrical production. And it's like, holy shit, they've really been doing this shit all this time. Yeah, and that yeah. and that was when Sandy Hook first made sense to me, hmm. um, because I could never fucking really, I never. I, there's no real hardcore evidence to come to a conclusion one way or another on Sandy Hook. I've checked really. There's yeah. the, the documents, the C, the FBI documents are really fucking fascinating, um, mostly redacted. But when I realized the scope of Kennedy, that was when I realized pulling off a community-based capstone event would be no problem. <laughs> No problem. With, with crisis actors and all, man. Yeah, um, yeah, dude. You, you, you blew my mind in, in many different ways, and not in a sexual way. You sick <laughs> listeners, you, you get your minds out of the gutter, you fucks. Uh, but no, I mean, you made me. I had already been, you know, when, once you started going down these rabbit holes in general, your way of looking at life in general changes quite a bit. Uh, but you fucking took it to another fucking notch with me, man. And so, you know, as I heard your your whole expose on the JFK assassination, if you will, uh, that was when the whole crisis actors and for pe for the lay people, when you hear the term crisis actor, you think it's some wild ass wacky reptilian fucking flat earth types of shit. No, it's not. It's completely fucking there, man. And and you see these things, and, and I said it before, but why fucking change it when it works? When 90% or more of the people are going to swallow this fucking shithole. And then you create a diversion. You call these motherfuckers conspiracy theorists. Or, you know, you, you make terms to discredit these people. Uh, anyone questioning these things. Uh, and it's been done through the fucking ages, man, over and over again. Be, you're a heretic. We'll burn you at the stake. Uh, just history, unfortunately, repeating itself. And uh, I, I definitely, you definitely made me look into the whole Zionist agenda in a whole different light. Because, again, I was scared to go down that hole for being, you know, out of fear of being called an anti-Semite. And you know what's funny? After our discussion, I went and saw... You can't find any uh, debunking the Holocaust uh, videos on YouTube. But you sure as fuck can find many a fucking uh, videos saying why people uh, believe in, in, in Holocaust denial and all this shit, you know. And one thing that i saw after watching some people saying oh you know people that believe in in holocaust denial they are simply bigots they are simply racist and the pattern that i kept seeing i i only saw two or three videos and the pattern that i kept seeing was out of emotion they weren't giving any fucking facts to defend their stance it was all emotional based and the reason i did that is because i don't want to feel like i'm ever locked into one way of thinking man i always want to keep an open mind i always want to explore other other avenues and shit and so i, I after our first podcast we did i i did that i wanted to find out okay let, let's see the rebuttal let's let's hear it out and it was all emotional based and if anything it only reinforced everything that you had talked about for at least for me you know what i'm saying well um if I wasn't a hundred percent sure of what I was saying, I'd be the biggest asshole in the world. Right. So uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not. 
And uh, like I said before, I, I will debate anybody in the world on fucking Holocaust, period. It's, it's the biggest lie we've ever been told up until COVID-19. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all emotion. And most uh, people on the pro-Holocaust side won't even debate the issue, you know, because they can't. Well, and it's it's kind of like what I, what I had said before, man. It's It's no different than you bring up the trans issue, uh, trans people in sports. Uh, you bring up legitimate facts. You bring up legitimate science. And these motherfuckers will shut you out and call you a fucking bigot. Shut the fuck up. Do not dare question how I feel about myself. Today, mm-hmm. I identify as a fucking refrigerator motherfucker. <laughs> Sit back down and let me speak. Uh, it, it's that type of shit. Just emotional uh, responses, man. Um, and, and you can't talk about it. Or you're a neo-Nazi. You could be a Mexican uh, fucking dude that's a neo-Nazi, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> fucking um, fuck And the thing is, like, people who are the most emotionally invested in, like, this woke culture, and, like, particularly when it comes to the Holocaust, people are like, how dare you say it didn't happen? Um, those people know nothing about it nothing like you ask them like well how many camps were there they won't be able to tell you ask them where the camps were they'll be like auschwitz like auschwitz 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 so <laughs> ever fucking knows like yeah. and like when you really dig into auschwitz you'll find that it, they, were, they didn't have any gas chambers there they didn't it's 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 just a blatant rewriting of history they every gas chamber that you can go visit today is is a, is a post-war fiction yeah so the only one they cling to is Maidanic. Which is ridiculous. What's Maidanic? Maidanic is the other camp where there. So when you look okay. at the, when you look at the initial six camps, because I'm they, one they, of these fucks that doesn't know all the goddamn camps. I will admit that. Right, right. <laughs> Most people don't, and that's good. Most people shouldn't have to because they're part of ancient history that has no relevance on today, other than this bullshit Holocaust story, right? So there was uh, Auschwitz and Maidanic were the only two camps that they said that they had an actual preserved gas chamber, right? But they're both fakes. They're they're both fakes. Um, and Maidanic was the f- funniest of all because there are glass windows in there and they never had any induction shafts. They never had any of the heater blower mechanisms, which are required to liquefy the Zyklon B to turn it into, into gas. Um, uh, they uh, basically... What, what uh, do you make... What do you make... I, I was sent some uh, links from... What the fuck is his name? Like... Like our, or... That fucking dude that wasn't even a doctor apparently and he had carried out evidence through his socks and apparently it could have been contaminated what do you make of that dude uh oh. local or fuck i can't remember the name uh, what is the story now uh, some fucking dude that apparently he was a holocaust denier and he carried out uh some samples in his socks. oh okay i know what you're talking about okay all right, so yeah, your your take on it is wrong. All right, so there was a guy named Ernst Zundel, and he was a Canadian um, Holocaust denier. He was a, he was born in Germany, and he uh, was um, moved to Canada at a very early age, like six or seven years old. But he uh, over the years he wanted to you know learn more about his German heritage, and he gets into the Holocaust. And in Canada, you're not allowed to deny the Holocaust; they will arrest you and put you in jail. And so they arrest Ernst Zundel. Um, for saying the Holocaust is bullshit. And so he goes out looking for an expert on gas chambers, like 
in general because gas chambers are used in the you know in, in the u.s to kill uh, prisoners so he does his research and he finds there's only one expert in america on the gas chambers and the guy's name is fred leuchter and so he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he hires Fred Leuchter, who is a legitimate expert on execution systems. He would manufacture and sell electric chairs and shit to prisons. I mean, this guy, he was a creepy dude for real, but he was the only expert on gas chambers in the U.S. at the time. And uh, so they hire him to go to Auschwitz and examine the buildings at Auschwitz and uh, write a report on whether or not these buildings could have been used as gas chambers. And uh, he took some samples of the walls, right? Um, he, he chipped away at some pieces of the walls and he submitted them for testing. And of course they came back with no traces of hydrogen cyanide. Um, in his report, uh, Leuchter concluded that the buildings alleged to have been gas chambers could never have been gas chambers. And he listed a whole bunch of reasons why and uh, so he was uh, the next person that groups like the ADL uh, cho chose to demonize uh, and call him a Holocaust denier. He was never a Holocaust denier. He was a guy who was hired to do a job and he did it and they didn't like his results. And so that's the story of Fred Leuchter. However, those uh, tests have been repeated by um, all kinds of people. The uh, Krakow Forensic Institute uh, did their own tests. Uh, Hermar Rudolph did tests on the walls of the gas chambers. All of them came back with negligent traces of hydrogen cyanide. Um, samples were taken from the delousing facilities, which were where they actually used Zyklon B in order to delouse clothing and kill lice and, uh, and insects that would carry disease, right? So uh, when they tested those samples, the levels of uh, hydrogen cyanide were off the charts. So Compared to the gas chambers, there was nothing there, uh, which is, it was, it's really just one more piece of evidence. It's not the only evidence. Um, there, when you, when someone says that something happened, if you say a fucking, uh, a, a T-Rex just stormed through my living room and jumped off the balcony, you're going to expect the person to provide some form of evidence that it occurred. There has never been, and there is not to this day, one piece of physical evidence that could, uh, demonstrate that there was ever a gas chamber uh and the not well we're not going to get into the six million number which is a, a, a basically from the um, jewish religious texts from the talmud um but they have never been able to pour, put forth one piece of evidence that there was ever a gas chamber or millions of people killed in them uh you would think if there was a large-scale plan of execution that was enacted by the german government to round up and kill all the jews not only would you have like millions of pages of documentation and paperwork, like you did with everything else the Germans did, um, you would have something. You would have some form of physical evidence that they did it, and they and they have never been able to produce any evidence that there was ever a gas chamber other than the ones that they built after the war. So you'd mm -hmm. think millions of people are getting killed. You'd have DNA. You would have bodies, right? Yeah. Where the fuck are the bodies? And so this is why they came up with ridiculous stories like uh, bone grinders, and mobile gas vans where they would yeah. just gas you down in the street, grind your body up to dust on the spot and poof, no evidence, right? Like yeah. they're really big in saying the Nazis destroyed all the evidence. And that's just their way of saying we don't have any evidence. Well, that one number two where in one camp they had originally attributed what 
was it like almost three million deaths, and then later they changed their figure to one million, mm-hmm. but they never even messed with the six million. Right, the six million number is extremely significant because it's culturally related. Um, back in in the Talmud, it says that the Messiah will not return. Right, they're waiting for the the Moshiach, which is their their Jesus. Right, <clears throat> they're waiting for him to return, and it clearly states in the Talmud that the the Messiah will not return until six million of a God's chosen people, which are the Jews, vanish. Okay. So that's where the 6 million number comes from. It was used going back to the 1800s. Uh, whenever fucking the Jews wanted some money or they, or they get the government to do something, oh, 6 million Jews are in danger in Russia. 6 million Jews are in danger in Poland. 6 million Jews everywhere, okay? It's a bullshit number that comes from their religious texts uh, of prophecy. Nothing more. Uh, the accepted number up until around 1975 was 700,000. Um, and when you look at the fact that there were, I don't know, 40 million people killed in World War II, right? Who gives a fuck about 700,000? Seriously. It's mm-hmm. a hijacking of history for money and for sympathy. Rewriting the history. Yep. Fuck, man. What? One, I want to pick your brain on this. Let me know if you know sure. much about this or not. Uh, my, The people that follow me have been fucking with me for a long time and they've been wanting me to and I thought we were going to have Chris Matthews. He probably would have been the go-to guy for this. But do you know anything about CERN? C-E-R-N? Not really. It's the Hydron Collider. But, you know, I don't, I don't keep up keep up with it, you know. <laughs> hey, I thought for, I'd ask. You know, I'm my, waiting for them to open a portal to hell. <laughs> yeah. No, well, my subs have been bugging the fuck out of me for that. And I was like, oh, shit, Chris Matthews is going to be on. I'm like, ah, oh, damn. Uh, maybe we'll be able to get him on some other yeah. time. Yeah. But, all right. Uh let me i wrote a little damn list a little makeshift list to go over what about uh project bluebeam have you done any research on that no that's the alien stuff right yeah a fake alien invasion if you will and yeah I don't, it, it, it I makes don't, complete sense man uh, I don't. Um, none of my serious research is on any any aliens or bigfoot or none of that yeah no and that has it's basically a fake, a planned fake alien invasion, which makes sense if you're paying attention to how the CIA is now admitting to all these uh, aliens and shit. See, I, I don't, I don't go down that way either, man. Here's uh, the thing: like people, people can buy, um, you know, a president getting killed. People can buy a virus getting out of control. People are not going to buy aliens. They're coming down and 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 killing us. They're just not gonna. It's going to cause a psychological break of most people on a scale that they can't even calculate. So Dude, I think that's why I think they're being feeding us. Though you don't think uh, it makes sense to me why we're getting these drips. Oh, the yeah, CIA. The, like, the CIA now admits that uh, these UFO. Here's some UFO footage. And yeah, and you know the thing. Like people have known about UFOs for 50, 60 fucking years. The people like kind of the. At this point, everyone has an opinion on whether they're aliens or not. Most people believe that there are fucking aliens. So for the CIA or the government to come out and now say, hey, there's aliens, it's like yesterday's news. Like, where yeah. you been? Welcome to the fucking party. <laughs> it's not having the impact that I think they want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think stretching the issue out for 60 fucking years kind of, uh, you know, made it almost it irrelevant. Up. And so I just don't see it happening. And I, I don't see them having a a hundred fucking pilots trained on how to fly these TR-3Bs. And even if, say we get blown up by some three, TR-3Bs, they're going to be like, yeah, we got the patent for that from like 10 years ago. Where you been? 
right? So it's going to be like, oh, aliens are using our own American-built fucking spaceships. I see. That's another thing that really fucks me up, you know? We couldn't make it to the moon, but we have a secret space program. You know, that doesn't fucking make any sense, does it? Uh, like, yeah. when, it comes to the, when it comes to the space shit, I just, it's, you know, who knows what the fuck the story is? Because I don't have any doubts that we could have anti-gravity shit. My uh, Chris, when we went out to the Nevada desert, he saw with his own eyes uh, three TR-3Bs in formation, you know, up in the sky. Um, they went out when on was a night this? This was last year when we uh, went oh, and we, we filmed a conference out there. And they had trips to go out to the desert, right? So Chris yeah. is the guy to talk to about that. Yeah, I would love to get him on, and we'll we'll, we'll go down the alien route with him. Um, yeah, man. When yeah, that's the kind of limitations of my of my uh, research is I'm a one trick pony. Like no, I'm a Kennedy no. guy, and being a Kennedy guy that pulls me into all these other. But you, areas. you're you're a fucking wizard when it comes to the COVID shit, man. As oh, well, you, shit, yeah, yeah. I know, so I know COVID pretty well, and you know. <laughs> The way I personally lean, I guess, or, you know, I, I love sh sticking to fucking facts and shit we can verify. Uh, doesn't mean that I don't mind, you know, I don't mind listening to that, the alien and Bigfoot shit. Uh, you oh, know, I don't, how, how big is Bigfoot's dick? That's a question that I want to know. You know, does <laughs> he got a monster a cock on, or is he micro? I spend a lot of time on these other subjects that I don't talk about. Um, like, I'm fascinated by them, but... I can't put I can't dedicate real time to them because I like I, I at least got to finish my book before I even think of starting something else, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but no, I watch a ton of stuff on Bigfoot. Like I'm all about Bigfoot. Um, Bigfoot sort of kind of makes sense. But the idea that the government doesn't have a Bigfoot to me is ridiculous. So why would they be covering it up? You know, some religious reasons. Who, who knows? Well, you know, the there was that fucking giant ass ape uh, astro or what was it, Astrophilipicus? I can't fucking say it, dude. I'm oh, Gigantopithecus. Yeah, that big-ass motherfucker, man. And uh, I just think we're in an era now, though, that if something like that existed and was up and around, uh, we we would have found something, you know, some kind of evidence. Uh, right. No, I get. I totally, uh, totally get that. But, um, and me being a guy who likes proof, and, uh, you know, I like real world tangible stuff. That's why I kind of cling to like Kennedy and the government's related documents and stuff. Cause I can kind of put some sort of proof together there. But the more I've watched various analyses of like the Patterson Gimlin film, um, that original Bigfoot film, the more I'm convinced that that's real. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely, which, think which one's, yeah. which one's that one? That's the, that's the only one, the original Bigfoot film. Ah, see to me that looks that looks like a fucking that looks like some dude named Henry wearing a fucking suit and he's got a fat yeah. But when when they went and they talked to people uh, uh, who are makeup and costume effects experts of the era, they're like, no fucking way. They're like, we didn't have anything like this. Oh. Like this is, and like when you look at things like the wear patterns underneath the armpits, like uh, there's an areas where like there's no hair. Some dumb fuck who bought a gorilla suit wouldn't know to do that. You know, yeah. there's a lot of aspects to it that are like, whoa. That That's one of those ones that I, ever since I was a kid, fascinated me as well. And I just, I think after a while, I was like, man, we would have found some shit at, at, at some point in time, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's also like um, in Kennedy, they're like, oh, well, somebody would have talked. Dude, a hundred people talked, yeah, but nobody yeah. listened. You know, And, so, and some were snuffed out. Yeah, uh, especially when uh, you know Garrett during the Garrison Hearst, you know when he was interviewing people and shit. 
some people got taken out. Garrison's yeah. my fucking hero because yeah, he, man. I think at the end of the day, like he might not have been willing to say, I know this person did this, or I know this person did that. But I think at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, he knew exactly who did what he knew who was behind it. And part of that comes out in like the last book that he wrote was a, was a novel. And in that novel, he identifies the Israelis as having been beside behind mm. the assassination. Yeah. Jim Garrison, he, and he did all this shit way back in the sixties, no fucking interwebs, mm-hmm. uh, none of that shit and no cell phones. Uh, it, yeah, definitely for sure, man. His work is underappreciated. And to me, whenever you talk about JFK or JFK research, his name should always be mentioned in my opinion, man. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, extent, he's very, very underrated. Yeah. So there's a guy who is a, in, just recently popped up a couple of years ago named Fred Litwin, who is a Jewish Zionist, um, quote unquote, Kennedy researcher. And he's, uh, he, his whole, he put out a book to debunk that it was a conspiracy. <laughs> and the fucking thing is so bad. It's so laughable. Like I'd be embarrassed uh, to, to have my name associated with that fucking book. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it, he basically, um, that is an excellent book. I forget what it's called. Um, something about Garrison. The whole point of his, he, he basically came to the conclusion that Garrison was a homophobe uh, and that the whole reason that he did the case in the first place was to because because Clay Shaw was gay and he wanted to persecute him, and uh, yeah, it, the guy would literally um, he you would have a, a whole one page of a document, and the top half would have a statement from one person, the bottom half would have a statement from another person. Then they would say two different things, right? And the bottom one would obviously show that the first statement was false. He would literally cut the document in half and only show the first half of the statement. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's like it's a manipulation expert, man. Yes. The book is a, it's a, it's people need to read it to understand how propaganda works. And that Mm. is just a great book. Uh, I mean, his conclusions are shit. And I did like a two hour video or two and a half hour video, like dismantling his entire book. That one was really good. Yeah. There's, there's this fucking clown, uh, that Sean Atwood character fucking fraud but he's always talking about the 48 laws of power and he he's another reason why i'm no longer on youtube but i read you don't even have to read the fucking book you read through the names of the chapters on that book the 48 laws of power you know anything about that book uh uh-uh. the 48 laws of power bro it, you know it sounds you, kind of funny because i highly doubt that there's like um you know these powerful people they got a list that they refer to you know well, the book is essentially a fucking uh, instruction manual on how to fucking manipulate people. Uh, let me see if I can find the fucking uh, the at least the the chap- chapters on it. Uh, Forty eight laws of power. Oh, you can find it in PDF form as well. Uh, let's see where the fuck are the chapters. Yeah, dude, it's a creepy fucking book, man. And you're, I, I read it, and I think after I got to like chapter six or seven, I was like, why the fuck am I reading this? I don't want to be fucking ripping people off. I don't want to be fucking with people's minds. And 
I just don't have it in me to do any of this fucking shit. And yet, it's one of these bestseller books. And I can see these elites, if you will, read this fucking book and get get some kind of a, a rhetoric or some kind of mental mental cum as they read it. But, yeah, it's fucking creepy as hell. Oh, I guess you can get it on in PDF. Trying yeah, to see the there's a bunch of books like that as uh, how to lie with statistics. Um, well, and, and I think that one of the fathers to that was a uh, what the f- Edward uh, Bernays. Bernays, yeah. There's, there's another good one day, called. There's another good one called How to Win Any Debate Without Letting Things Like Facts Get in the Way. <laughs> get the <laughs> fuck out of here! <laughs> oh shit, and, dude! I I totally see that man and, and, again. Using the appeal to emotion. Uh, this is what a lot of these fuckers do, man. They appeal to emotion. Fuck the facts. F- fuck what the facts say. Um, if you hurt my feelings, that's 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 the biggest crime. Uh, yeah, dude. Look at this. Never outshine the master. Uh, law number one. Always make those above you feel comfortably superior. In in your desire to please or impress them, do not go too far. In displaying your talents, or you might accomplish the opposite. Inspire fear and insecurity. Make your masters appear more brilliant than they are, and you will attain the heights of power. <laughs> Law number two. Never put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use enemies. Be wary of friends. They will betray you more quickly, for they are easily aroused to envy. They also become spoiled and tyrannical. But hire a former enemy and he will be more loyal than a friend because he has more to prove. In fact, you have more to fear from friends than from enemies. If you have no enemies, find a way to make them. (laughs) What the fuck, bro? (laughs) These are the chapters. And I could go on, man. There's 48 of them, uh, you know, according to this shit. But, yeah, it's amazing, man. I Like I said, dude, I managed like four or five chapters and I was like, yeah, fuck this, dude. I'm out. I yeah, can't it's go on. And you can see how it's applied by our politicians, you know. Fuck yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying. I guarantee you all these n- sick bastards, all these elites, all these people in power have a copy of this fucking book 100%. And it's their fucking Bible, dude. Their Torah, whatever the fuck they want to call it. You should read the Talmud. <laughs> it's got some doozies in it. Oh, dude, I Old Testament Talmud, same shit, man, essentially. And, uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of... That's why I'm no longer a believer, man. I, I read the Bible, and I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm checking out. Yeah, I never understood, like, people who read the Bible, and then they're like, yes. I'm like, what? Yeah, you read it, and you're like, yeah, I don't know about this shit, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. And th- this is what I... And, and some of my some of the people that listen to me disagree with me on this matter, and that that's fine, too. But what I tell them, I'm like, look, I think religion and government they're all used to manipulate us into doing the shit that they want to fucking accomplish uh don't jack off or you're going to hell meanwhile we're going to fondle all these kids in the parishes you know what i'm saying uh it, it, it's just 100 bullshit it, it, it's no different than uh fucking boris johnson in the uk telling motherfuckers to stay home uh wear their fucking masks while they drive their cars alone and then he's fucking partying out you know what yeah, i mean like i don't think these motherfuckers realize how lucky they are that they haven't been fucking dragged out and hung in the public square Fuck yet yeah 
like for real like it's just well really in australia they couldn't do that because they got no goddamn guns <laughs> Dude, get a broomstick and a knife and some tape and you got a fucking spear <laughs> you know what i mean fuck yeah give them the old Gaddafi treatment There's options they got options man they got they got knives over there yeah It'll be like you can call it the Great Knife Revolt of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> the great fuck, dude. Anything, man. Anything will work. But you, they're I did up, see. Notice they're, they're letting up now. Like, did, well, did you see the protests? Out, yeah, out. I think, protests. yeah, man. Some of these fucking protests, and uh, shockingly, the mainstream is not talking about it. Shockingly, uh, yeah, we all fucking know why, but. Dude, you see these clips and it's, you're not talking about hundreds, maybe a, a sprinkled few thousand here and there. You're talking about tens of thousands of fucking people uh, cluttering the fucking roadways, man. And everyone is sick of this shit. Even the people that went along with it for the longest time with, you know, this whole, dude, I'm double vax. I'm triple vax. I, I've had people, I, you know, I had uh shout out to Freddie. He called in. I think he was double vax, triple vax, something shit like that. And he's like, dude, I ain't getting another fucking shot. Fuck this shit. I'm done. And so before we demonize the people that have gotten the vax, we have to bring these people to the fold, man. You know, maybe it took them a little while to to, to get there. But now they're here. We shouldn't fucking shun them, man. We need to embrace them and, and bring them in. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be our numbers that make well, the fucking difference. That makes sense ideologically, but um, honestly, we don't know what effect these vaccinated people are going to have on us unvaccinated long term. Do do you think there's like a zombie? A zombie? I I don't want to bang a vaccinated chick. Sorry, like I just kind of weirded out by it. Well, I remember listening to fuck. I heard a podcast, and this motherfucker apparently was a fucking doctor. And do you remember, and I, I never verified this, so take this with a grain of salt. Um, this is not a fact, but I remember hearing this. Um, do you, A few years ago, there was a homeless guy that was eating a man's face in Miami. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? I don't buy that it was bath salts. Like, what's, something else is okay, going on there. Okay, this guy that apparently was a fucking doctor was saying that the government has been trying experimental vaccines for a long fucking time, whether it's on poor black folks, you know, during the Tuskegee or poor Guatemalans during the Guatemalan syphilis experiment. They do these trials and even Bill Gates in, in recent years uh, been doing fucking vaccine trials in India and throughout the African continent. Um, so this guy was saying that this fucking bum was one of the first recipients of the an trial mrna vaccine and when i heard that bro i was like holy fucking shit man what if this vaccine contains some kind of fucking and i'm just speculating i'm not saying this is gonna happen i'm not trying to scare too many fucking people but what if this vaccine contains some kind of fucking agent that will go dormant for a few months maybe a year or so and then this shit (laughs) basically turns you into a bum that eats fucking people's faces yeah uh, that's some crazy shit man i don't put anything past them but this is one of those things that you know we'll have to lie in the realm of speculation yeah this is Uh, all speculation i'm not saying this is fact because i like to speak on facts you know what i'm saying so but here's the thing like they have done horrific shit to people um 
they've done horrific shit to people. Like um, back in the fifties and the sixties, oh. they were notorious for fucking dosing lobotomies, the the fucking holes in the heads. Well, besides uh, that, like, sterilizations. They were using some of the prisons, like particularly one in uh, Angola prison in Georgia. Uh, for uh, experimentation with the mind control stuff, they were dosing people heavy with LSD, like yeah. like candy, I, and strapping them down. Like imagine, I can't imagine any worse torture than being strapped to a fucking table and dosed with like uh, you know a vial of LSD. Like, yeah, dude, that that's really frightening shit. And the older I get, uh, you know, I, I'm damn near forty nowadays, but the older I get, I when I look back at times in history, it it doesn't seem s- so far. You know, when you're a kid, uh, I know when I was a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, I when I look back in, into the 60s, even the 60s, I was like, God damn, that was so fucking long ago. Now, I look back at the 60s and I'm like, God damn, that was only 20 years before I was fucking born. You know what I'm saying? Uh it, 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 it changes, your perspective on it changes. And when you realize that in the 1920s, the American government still allowed you to put a bounty on people's he- on Native Americans' heads. Yeah. A fucking bounty. It, it, your whole perspective changes. And then when you realize that uh, if you were, you know, as part of the eugenics project, if you were a fucking moron uh, or you were deemed, you didn't even have to technically fit any of the shit, but you were deemed a fucking moron in their eyes. Uh, they just sterilized you, bro. And you had no say. And it, it took, it did, it took a fucking lawsuit. I can't remember the name of the, the, the lady. I think her mom got her forced sterilized and she took it, you know, up to the courts and she ended up winning the case. But it took that to kind of start reversing the trend on the whole forced sterilizations and shit. Yeah, like Hitler got a lot of his ideas from stuff that we'd already done. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but uh, yeah, so history is really all about perspective. You know, that's another thing. Like uh, when you go back and you're talking about the Nazis and, and Adolf Hitler, people are like, oh, Hitler was a racist. I'm like, do you know what fucking year it was? Find me a person who wasn't in nineteen fucking forty. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I listened to a a podcast with a. I think it was Ryan Dawson. I think he was on Tinfoil Hat, and he was going over the Civil War, and he gave like an alternate um, way of viewing Abraham Lincoln. You know, Abraham Lincoln is viewed as some kind of hero, uh, somewhat of a mythical figure in yeah. American history and folklore. And I first started having my doubts on Abraham Lincoln when, uh, when I when I found out about the D- Dakota Thirty Eight. Uh, people that don't know about the Dakota Thirty Eight, I think I hope I'm saying it right. It's something along those lines where a town was basically pillaged by a Native American tribe. They didn't know who, which tribe did it, who did it. But what the government essentially did was round up 40 Native American men. These men said they had nothing to fucking do with it. And it sounds like these fuckers or, you know, these poor souls, if you will, were innocent. They were they were just 
round up whatever fucking brown uh, person you see, and we're going to hang these motherfuckers. And Abraham Lincoln signed the order, and 38 innocent men were hung. And that was the start of my red pilling on Abraham Lincoln. I was like, God damn. Oh, Why was I his, never taught about this shit? You should read some of his quotes about black people. Oh, like, I, Ryan Dawson read some out on that podcast. I'm like, God damn. He was a it, racist. It, He's like, he basically said, I'm doing what I'm doing to save the union. He's like, if I could do this and keep every black person a slave, I would do it. Well, I'm like, what? You, you know what? I... So when I moved to Florida, man, I had to drive cross country. You know, I told you I lived in Utah. Uh, I took I-80. You probably know I-80 uh, west and east, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Living in, in Colorado. So I, I basically took I-80 east all the way fucking down until I crossed I-75. And we, you know, as we were coming down I-75, I, we stayed in uh, fucking, where was it? Uh, Kentucky. That's where uh, Abraham Lincoln was born. A lot of people think he was born in Illinois. Uh, no, he was born in Kentucky. And then at, at a certain age, he went up to Illinois. And that's where he became uh fucking senator and all that shit history. But he was born in Kentucky. And it's he was born in a small town, which to this fucking day is a very small town. Uh we went to a gasoline station, bro, and I, 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 I don't like to. I think too many people like to, you know, show the race card. But I'm just trying to give people a feeling of what it was. I had to put fuel near a town there in Kentucky where they had a uh, Abraham Lincoln Museum, and we were the only brown folks there. <laughs> did it mention how the, Abraham Lincoln? Did it mention how Abraham Lincoln was Jewish? No, you didn't tell me that, but I, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't doubt it. But dude, we went, we went there, and the fucking looks we got there, like, oh damn, dude, let's put our fucking gas and get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> but the, 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 what I'm trying to get at is, I'm in deep ass Kentucky, and here in Kentucky, or when I was there, it's a small little, it's, it's, it's a museum run by the county, I believe, or maybe even the state of Kentucky. And it's in the heart of fucking no no fucks land, Kentucky, man. Uh, I'm not trying to make fun of that place, but dude, you got to see it from someone from South Central LA. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they had Abraham Lincoln as a hero. You know, he, he's their national. You know, he's the state hero essentially because he was born there in a little farm, and they had Confederate flags. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't he fight against the Confederate? So a lot of shit didn't make sense. But I was like, how the fuck did this guy, he was anti-slavery, but he was he was born out here? I don't know. You know, you know, this is when the whole narrative, at least for me, started falling apart. I'm like, a lot of the shit that I was told, I don't know. It's not making sense any, any longer. So, so let's cover a couple of things. Recently, I've come across um, the notion that he's not a Lincoln and that he is of Sephardic Jewish uh, descent and that his birth name um, was actually Springsteen with two E's. <laughs> what the fuck? How'd yeah, you find I, this out? Um, I stumbled across it somewhere. I don't remember where, but I'm going to have to do some more digging into it. But when I, yeah. I brought it up to Ryan Dawson and he had heard of it too and also had not researched it. So uh. it deserves some more uh, time 
that's for sure. But yeah. the reality is when you look at him politically, he did a lot of things for Jew- the Jewish communities, um, particularly in Chicago. Um, there is There was a big reform Judaism movement in Chicago in the 1850s. And this is kind of like where... This is where it gets complicated, but Reform Judaism breaks from all previous traditions because it says that the ancient texts said they could, right? So you get this. This is where you get some of the connect re reconnection to the occult um, and the justifications for it. Um, so, but that goes off on a tangent. Um, when it comes to the Civil War, the Civil War was not about slavery. Uh, that is the modern day fairy tale. The reality is that uh, taxation Lincoln, wasn't it. Lincoln was the first president to marry government and corporations and thus creating the corporate state. And that's what the South was rebelling against. Had nothing Mm. to do with fucking slavery. Um, They still had slaves in the North after the Civil War. Um, When you look at when slavery ended. And and then you had the the fucking, the the Fugitive Slave Act, where if someone was deemed, these could have been black free men from the North, but they were deemed a runaway slave they could you, the fact that there was no you know there's nothing you're you're talking about the mid 1800s nothing like the technology that we had not even even dreamt about at that time so anyone could have been plucked out of the fucking street and said you're a fucking fugitive slave i'm returning you to you the fucking owner and uh-huh. there you go mm-hmm. and and this was practiced in the fucking north so the myth that the north was a, a you know for African Americans and, and giving them a good life is it's it's exactly that a fucking myth, man. And like you pointed out, man, it, you know it's not to completely shit on people. It's just the sad reality is that pretty much everyone was fucking racist at that point in time. And so when you when you take into consideration the fact that it wasn't about slavery and the fact that it was about the marrying of government to corporations, um, it, it kind of puts a whole new take on the Confederate flag, right? So uh, most people who wear the Confederate flag are just a bunch of fucking hillbilly rednecks, right? But the reality is it is a true symbol of rebellion against what we're rebelling against today, you know? So It, it, it is. The, the thing is, living out here in, in, in good old Southwest Florida, man, uh, sometimes when I run into them, uh, people with the, I'm a rebel. Long yeah. live the South. Those are the Those are the motherfuckers. Like, get out of my way, goddamn Mexican! I shoot canes for a living. <laughs> but that doesn't mean everyone that dude. One of my good friends from here, uh, out here, uh, he's from Englewood. You know where Englewood is, right? Yeah, yeah he's from Englewood. He he's a fucking proud Confederate flag. Uh, waver and shit um and and we get along just fine but even that when you that that all ties in with the whole political party system you know uh that's one of the things that started red pilling me and and waking me up because when you go back through history the south historically was democrat uh slave owning dixiecrat confederate flag waving democrats yes and then uh, around the 1950s, via Richard Nixon wanting to win over the the Southern white vote, he pretty much 
it was it was it wasn't an overnight thing. It was the southern strategy. Yeah, the southern strategy. It was a ten year process. So he started it in the fifties. By the sixties, the parties had essentially switched ideologies. And if you are someone that believes votes matter and, and that your fucking vote counts. I point to the fucking Southern strategy and I'm like, no, your fucking vote doesn't fucking matter. It will be manipulated. And when you have the two only uh, political parties here switching ID fucking ologies, how the fuck do you switch ideologies? That is the heart and soul of what you believe as a human being. And you're going to tell me that your fucking ideology fucking switched fucking platform. Fuck your votes. Your folk, your vote matters fucking nonsense and that's not me shitting on conservatives that's not me shitting and propping up liberals no to the contrary it's me pointing out that both fucking sides are fucking bullshit and just a fucking paradigm man and they stick to words that really mean nothing like once upon a time the word conservative meant fiscally conservative uh that doesn't mean what it means today you know it because uh bush was allegedly a conservative but like how many how much money he spent yeah 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 and when you go back to the JFK um, uh, time era, fucking JFK, I guess you can categorize him as more of a liberal, you know, a playboy, if you will. And then you look at LBJ, a fucking Southern conservative Democrat. Sure. Right. But, you know, by today's standards, he was definitely a Republican. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you see that. And, and that was, I guess, to tie this whole thing in, it's. It's kind of right around. So the whole thing started in the 50s. Uh, Prior to the 60s, the South, by and large, voted um, voted Democrat and the North voted Republican. And then right around that time, right around the JFK time, that's kind of when the whole fucking shifting of the ideologies kind of was completed. Uh, would you agree with that, or I mean, that's no, based I, on? I completely about, agree with that. Yeah, and so we're going through another political shift now, and I would more associate it to simplify it to like good guys and bad guys, right? Because most of the country for the last 20, 30 years has been traditionally democratic, um, and honestly, the times Republicans won is because they stole fucking elections, right? So that was the overwhelming sentiment. The more laid back, kind of uh, laissez faire. Uh, casual attitude of the liberals and the Democrats um, has uh, obviously shifted into something far more left-leaning a la communism today. Uh, Most people on the left today would not associate with communism, but it's, it's exactly what it is. You know, even if not financially communism, they are most certainly social communists. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another shift because now it seems like um, there has just been an inversion. This this past week, a poll came out and showed that most voters, uh, 47% to 42%, identify as Republican now. Uh, and that's because... Uh, and e- I think that's because even brown folks, man. Uh, yeah. Even brown folks... Ha- left went too far left. Yeah, see, I was one of these fucking... Uh, left-wing fucking idiots. I will admit it. I'm not proud of it. But I will admit it. I, I'm being honest. It, it's not like I'm bragging about the, the whole thing. I was one of these fucking left-wingers. Uh, always, see, dig- 
that yeah. was appropriate at a certain time, right? So don't like, um, you know, don't look bad upon yourself for being left because left meant something different at the time, right? So my whole life, I've always leaned left because I was like, how the fuck can you lean right if the people on the right who are running the corporations set the conditions that led to us needing uh, additional things, right? Uh, so when it comes to social services, things like welfare or even unemployment or any kind of social aid, I was always for it because I'm like, these cocksuckers, they set the foundation in society for us to need this shit in the first place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fuck them. But um, you can only take things so far. And uh, it, it kind of sucks that I'm definitely leaning more right. Have I changed? No. Have the societal conditions and definitions changed? I would say yes. Yeah, that's a that's a weird conundrum that that I'm in at the moment because I was one of these fucking hardcore Democrats. I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, I'm a Democrat, 100 percent," and uh, whatever. And I was one of these fucking I I view myself as an idiot nowadays, but I was one of these fuckers that watched Rachel Maddow, uh, fucking all these motherfuckers on MSNBC. And hell yeah, man, fuck the Republicans. They are the fucking enemy. And this was at a time, I, I think I started getting into it right around the, sorry, man, I'm, I'm drinking beer, but I'm having a great fucking time with my man, Corey Hughes. Visit my man, CoreyHughes.org. <laughs> like to subscribe. Uh, but I, I think I started getting into this hardcore uh, loyalty to the Democratic Party and, and liberal and all the shit, especially after 9-11. Um, I was, and then when it started coming out that it was confirmed that we were fucking lied to by the Republican-led, George Bush-led uh, administration that we had these fucking weapons of mass destruction. I was like, fuck the Republicans. They fucking lied to us. They got us into these needless fucking wars. And so that's what made me, personally, I've never spoken about this, but that's what made me lean into my leftist ideology even more i was like fuck that shit right, i'm not see, about here's that the thing. here's the thing like bush and, and those guys who claim to be conservatives were not conservatives they were neocons yeah yeah and a neocon is nothing more than an american zionist that's bottom line uh neocons are american zionists every goddamn thing that the bush administration did was for fucking israel they had guys like richard pearl uh running uh defense uh, which really the, the, the Department of Defense is hilarious. Should be the Department of Offense. No um, fuck yeah, dude. That's George Orwell doublespeak, man. Right. So, um, so G George Bush was not a, really a conservative. He blew all kinds of money. He started all kinds of wars. He didn't do anything according to conservative principles. He was a neocon. Uh, and, the, and here's the thing: you can have leftist neocons because all it means is that there's they're American Zionists. And that's the, no Republican will ever tell you that, but that's the bottom line. Uh, the entire purpose for neoconservatism was to support Israel. Um, and, you know, look who was in charge all through 9-11 and the, and the wars that followed. It was all George Bush's fucking cronies from the original Bush, right? But even Bush was not that much, the original Bush was not that much of an extremist. Um, he was not as pro-Israel as his, uh, you know, subsequent... Um, leaders within the cia and the intelligence community yeah the well nowadays 100 percent, man nowadays i 
I'm far from that shit. I don't know what the fuck I am today because I don't, I'm not going to call myself a fucking conservative. I'm not going to call myself a fucking right winger because I still believe in some of these quote unquote uh, liberal values, you know, I, I the, the way I believe is do whatever the fuck you want to do. Just don't fucking infringe on someone else's well-being, whether that's you getting a fucking abortion or getting a fucking shot. Don't I, you, you do what you think is best. And I'm not, I don't want to fuck with you. You don't fuck with me, man. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I fall into the libertarian uh, type of deal these days. I don't know where the fuck I fall in. But at the end of the day, I don't identify as any of these motherfuckers because they're all fucking corrupt, man. And, you know, when for the longest time as a quote unquote proud liberal, I would point out to shit like during the civil rights uh, who was against, uh, for example, MLK. Uh, there's a great video on YouTube. Great fucking video on YouTube uh, called uh, The Conflict in Youngstown, I think it is. And it's a documentary that was filmed back in 1958 or some shit like that. And it's great for a variety of reasons. But as a liberal, as someone that claimed to be a fucking liberal, to me that was case in point as to uh, what ideology was a racist one and which one wasn't. And when it, it's basically a documentary showing a black family moving into a suburban white neighborhood in 1958 or some shit like that and they do a poll on the neighbors and so what i would tell people i'm like tell me which one of these people interviewed is ideologically conservative and which one is ideologically liberal and it was easy to fucking see which one was the hippies and they were more tolerant of the black folks moving in and which ones was like yeah fuck these people they need to stay with their own kind kind of like you hear people talking about mexicans these days and shit like that and so that's the shit that i use but then i i had to stay st uh stray away from it because I realized that the leftists had a shit ton of issues as well. And that's when I found Margaret Sanger. A fucking hero of the left. Someone who has been heralded as a fucking left-leaning by Hillary Clinton and, and Planned Parenthood and all these people uh, regaling this individual. When this motherfucker was racist as fuck and was a fucking piece of shit scum uh, person. So both, at the end of the, I guess, at the end of that drunken ass rant... Is what I'm trying to say is all these motherfuckers are corrupt. Your fucking party is not better than that other fucking party. It's all the same fucking shit. All the same nonsense. Uh, having all said that, I find myself now listening to people like Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican. Uh, Rand Paul, a Republican. And actually agreeing with a lot of the shit they say these days. Well, I can't help but think that part of this part of the shift... Um, and the ultimate effect that it has on people and their own ideologies is kind of part of the intent uh, to rattle people in what they think they believe in. You know what I mean? Um, what happens when you do when you do that enough? Nobody knows what's up, and then what does anybody believe in? Nobody knows, right? So I can't help but think that that's kind of partially baked in. Um, I haven't clung to any party in at least a decade. Like they're so they've always been completely full of shit um but uh you know epstein kind of brought out 
the whole Epstein debacle brought out the fact that you got Republicans and Democrats getting on his plane alike, partying together. You know, the whole thing is WWE. It's all pro wrestling. It's all scripted. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious that you say that. Because I've been saying that on my little fucking show for a while now. That it's it's all fucking theatrics, man. Uh, when you see... I think on one of my shows, I, I showed a clip of fucking Donald Trump promoting the fucking vax. And I also showed a fucking clip of a uh, a woman who's about uh, Ivanka's age. She's in her early 30s these days. And she claims she was raped by Donald Trump when she was 13 at one of Epstein's parties. And the shit was supposed to go to trial. At the end, she's like, fuck this shit. I'm getting death threats. And she canceled. And it's just amazing to me how people, the same people that will clearly see that Bill Clinton is a fucking rapist piece of shit motherfucker. That got on his plane for 28 times. The same people. Will then ignore. That Trump was on his fucking plane. Seven times. And has a rape charge. Where him and Epstein. Gang banged a 13 year old girl. You know what I'm saying. It's. it. You can't have it all fucking ways. It's going to take. For all of us to fucking snap out of this fucking bullshit. None of these motherfuckers are heroes. They're all scumbags. You don't get to the top of any fucking thing without being a fucking scumbag, unfortunately for me to say. Uh, You get to these top positions. I don't care if you're the CEO of Coke. I don't care if you're the CEO of Legos. You don't get to the fucking top without being a doing some kind of scummy shit, whether it's you sucking dick or whether you're getting your dick sucked, man. You're a scummy motherfucker and... I hate to say it, but that's just how the fucking world works. And as I get older, I realize this shit, and you have to accept it and wake up. Weird as yeah. rant, but that's or go live on an island, or go live on a private island somewhere. <laughs> man, it's it, it's wild times, man. And I don't know, man. I I just have you read. I, I can only assume that you've read Orwell, George Orwell's uh, 1984. Uh, I've yeah, read it a couple like 30, of times. It's been like 30 years, but yeah. Dude, there's a great audiobook on YouTube. Uh, just put fucking YouTube uh, George Orwell 1984. There's a fucking British guy. He's got a thick, uh, like a deep voice, and he even adds sound effects. So like if they're in a fucking elevator or in 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 front of a crowd he he adds sound effects so it's almost like a theatrical experience as he's reading the book it's not like a regular audio book where they're just reading it and that's it you know what i'm saying he's adding sound effects uh let me see if i can find it but i've i've listened to it a couple of times and to me it's just fucking crazy how this book written in 1947 can resonate in 2020 you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. everything he predicted has essentially come true. You got a police fucking state. You got a surveillance fucking state. You got this culture where doublespeak exists. Fucking thought crimes exist. Everything spoken in that fucking book has come to fruition, unfortunately, for the rest of us. 
Yep, it sure has, hasn't it? It's let me. See, I'm trying to find the goddamn book. Okay, the the audio book. It's ten and a half hours long, and it is by Steve Parker Audiobooks. So, and you guys know how on YouTube you guys can just listen to it, and then it's kind of like a bookmarker where you stop listening, uh, you resume. So it's a ten and a half hour listen. But I recommend it to each and one of y'all. Uh, there's a reason why some people have called uh, COVID-19. They've called it COVID-1984. Uh, partially because of this book. Or in whole because of this book. Great shit, man. Yeah, it's classic. You you getting tired there, my man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm getting a little tired here. I, I could tell. I could tell. Uh, dude, I... I, I'd fucking go on for hours, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm one of these loudmouths pieces of shit. But, uh, dude, um, yeah. Let, so, again, go to CoreyHughes.org, everyone. Uh, and what was your podcast again? What was the name yeah, of your so podcast? Understanding Propaganda and Day Zero. Understanding Propaganda, Day Zero on your favorite podcast players. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Corey Hughes. Thank you for joining me, man. I had a blast again. We we did a yeah. we did a couple of hours, man. One of these days, man, you I need you to take a nap and we'll <laughs> fuck it. We'll marathon this bitch, man. We'll just keep rolling. Cause my audience likes this kind of shit, man. When we jump around, it does, we don't have to just fucking drill in on one fucking thing. Yeah, man. We can totally jump around. Um but yeah, everyone uh follow my man. This is a most excellent dude, and I can't thank you enough, man. This is third time you stop by, dude, and and it's always a treat. And I, yeah, thank I, you for I hope me. Th- I hope this isn't the last, my man. We got to keep making it happen. Yeah, I'm sure we will. All right, my brother. Have a good evening, and you enjoy the rest of your night. All right, man. Thanks so much. All right, my See man. Y'all. Later.